sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, Channel 159, The Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to spend extended time with my old friend Steve Merrill. Two R's, one L. Steve Merrill on Twitter. We're going to break down college basketball, how we approach it at this time of the year. There's a lot of nuance to the college basketball season. The way we attack it in October. In uh, November slash December is not the way you're going to attack it in late December slash early to mid-January, which is not the way you're going to attack it in late January slash February, which is not the way you want to attack it in March. There's a ton of nuance in college hoops. Steve and I are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some bet on and bet against teams and a ton of good info from a veteran in the college basketball betting world. I look forward to that discussion. But before we get in to Steve Merrill i got to talk about a couple things that happened. Uh, true stories from this past week. So, I forget what night it was. Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I'm watching Arkansas LSU. I had a big bet on the Hogs, minus 12 and a half. And it's 38 to 14 at halftime. I'm right. All right, LSU stinks. LSU's bet against all the way. And then what happens? The Tigers open the second half on a 15 to 2 run. And now, they're only losing by 11. And I'm going absolutely ballistic. All right. And there's still 15 minutes left in the game. <laughs> but my heart rate is up. I'm stressed beyond words. I'm on the phone with my buddy, right? You know, as we're watching. And then, look, there have been three or four games this year, maybe more. I've had big favorites in college hoops. Full game, not first half. When I should have been in first half when they're dominating the first half and being up by scores like 38 to 14 at halftime. And then second half's garbage time, and maybe they end up winning by 12 or 14 or 16, and they're not cover spread. I remember... There was one, that was, I think it was Drake. They were up 33, and they won by 15, and I was so mad. That wasn't the only one. So I've had a handful of games like that. And look, LSU, they had no chance in that game. Arkansas stemmed the run. They played defense down the stretch, ended up winning by 20. But that one run at the start of the second half was enough to keep me from really enjoying it. I'm never comfortable in any game, not even late. It feels like I've been doing this so long, like every game is a bad beat or a tough beat or some kind of beat waiting to happen. I think I might have PTSD from being out here 25 years and having so many games that you thought you were going to cash over the course of time that you didn't. That's why my favorite play in all the sports is a kneel down in the NFL. It's the best play there is. Take a knee. Game's over. Dribble out in hoops just as good as long as they're not defending it. They have some weird turnover. <laughs> but, you know, this can be unbelievably stressful. Uh, Memphis Golden State. <laughs> in the NBA this week, I had a big bet on the Grizzlies, uh, plus the points. Of course, they were up 10 in the fourth quarter. Steph Curry got ejected. All of a sudden, Klay Thompson's hot. And Jordan Poole's hot. And, and Memphis, I mean, honestly, the last six minutes of that game uh, against the Warriors, that's as bad as I've seen the Grizzlies look offensively all year. They, they just lost it down the stretch of that contest. Couldn't have been more stressful. The Grizzlies were up 10 in the fourth with, what, about six minutes left? I'm feeling great about the bet. Steph hits a three, Clay hits a three, Steph hits another one, Steph gets fouled on a three. Uh, it's a sweat and a half down the stretch. You know, and I'm getting tweets from clients talking about how great a game is. I don't want a great game. I want a winner. I want a rocking chair winner. I want a bet that's over. 
but that wasn't the case uh, in uh, this one. And look, fantastic play out of time. The, the, the end game for Memphis Golden State was as good as you can hope for uh, as, a, as a better if you had the Grizzlies, you know. Clay hits the three. The Grizzlies have 14 seconds left. They're down two. And this is the game. It was, you know, pretty close to a wire-to-wire job. Memphis, you know, I felt pretty good about the Grizz plus the points throughout. I had them uh, three and a half in my pocket. The market's closed three. Uh, there were even two and a half out there if you didn't shop around. So now, after Clay hits the three, they're down two. 14 seconds left. And that is not the scenario you want to be in with your underdog. Because if they miss, they foul. If they foul, the guy hits two free throws. Now, all of a sudden, are you kidding? I'm going to lose this game by four? But they had a great play out of timeout. Give Taylor Jenkins all the credit. Great play out of timeout to tie the game. Now, i got to sweat the Warriors hitting a three or overtime. Neither of which I want. Instead, Jordan Poole, whose bad shot was why Steph tossed his mouthpiece and got ejected. Thank you, Jordan Poole. Uh, a Michigan man, by the way. Uh, he had a, a perfect, literally a perfect game on his play. Hit the game winning two with one second left. It couldn't have been better the way that game played out in the last 30 seconds or so if you had the Grizzlies plus the points. You don't want OT. You don't want a three where everyone had three tied. You want a bucket at the end. Not enough time for anything to happen the other way. And that's exactly how it played out. But I'm telling you, these games, it's like the LSU-Arkansas game was early. The Memphis... Golden State game was the late game, you know, and then you have a game like that, you're jacked up afterwards, win or lose, doesn't matter. Hard to sleep, you know, staying up till one in the morning. <clears throat> I can't do that, you know. It's worth the winner. I'll take it. Uh, great game, but, uh, you know, you're always tired <laughs> the day after games like that. And I certainly was with Memphis and Golden State. So there's just a couple of stories uh, from this past week. The West Coast got to me, um, but that's what we do. And, of course, the LSU run got to me. We're all human. You guys hear me on air, and I sound like I'm a machine. That's all I do. You know, no. I have my moments. I have my meltdowns. You guys have probably heard one or two over the course of the years. That being said, I do not expect any meltdowns on today's show. Not even maybe. When we come back, Steve Merrill's going to join us. We're going to start breaking down the world of college basketball betting. Advanced betters, beginning betters, stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I hiked him at the top of the show. Let's bring him in now, Steve Merrill, 2Rs1L, at Steve Merrill on Twitter with 2Rs1L, joining us right here on Cover It with Teddy Cover, Sirius XM, Channel 159, The Sports Grid Radio Network. And Steve, welcome to the program. How are you doing this weekend? Teddy, doing well. And, you know, you and I love to talk college hoops, and it's that time of year being January uh, when there's a lot of money-making opportunities on the board every single night with college basketball for sure. Yeah, but it's stressful. I mean, look at the card for today on Saturday. What do we have? 108 <laughs> regular games, 39 more on the added board. What's your process when you're dealing with, like, you know, 150 games or close to it? And Admittedly, college basketball Saturday is not like every day of the week, but when it comes to, what is it, 363 Division 1A teams 
with bettable opportunities in college hoops. Huge slate today. Where do you start on a card like this? And you're a low-volume guy, so it's not like you're going to be peppering the board with you know 50 wagers on a Saturday. How do you approach a, a, a big card like we're seeing every Saturday here in college basketball season? No, it's, it's an excellent question because um, I started in the football season in 1996 as a full-time professional sports handicapper. I've been doing this now for over a quarter century. Um, so 97, you know, this time in 97 was my first full college basketball season. Of course, I've been doing it, you know, before that, but as a full-time job. And I remember back in the day, Teddy, you know, when I first started, I felt like I had to look at every game in depth. And I would start on Friday evenings and go into the wee hours of Saturday morning, get the daytime stuff out, and work all Saturday afternoon, get the nighttime stuff out. And it wasn't fun, not enjoyable. <laughs> and um, over the years, you know, whenever something's like that, you, f- you figure you have to find a better way. And over the years, I feel like I've gotten wiser in a lot of ways in life. And I think handicapping a Saturday, a college basketball card on Saturday, like you're saying, is one of those things you have to come up with a systematic approach. And uh, you and I were doing a show on wagertalk.com earlier this week, and the, the press said nobody knew what systematic meant. I think he was the only one that didn't know what systematic meant. But, <laughs> you know, for those viewers out there, listeners out there that might be confusing, the systematic means automated, right? you got to have a starting point. So, I try to make a short list as fast as possible, and that's what I'd recommend for anybody out there doing their own handicap, and you have to make a short list. So now, for a lot of people starting, I would recommend following maybe select conferences. Um, One thing, you know, you mentioned I'm low volume, high quality, and one thing I've done in more recent years in both college football and college basketball, Teddy, is I find myself drifting more to the Power Five conferences, and one of the reasons is because I just feel like you get a cleaner handicap, um, and the information's a little easier to find as well in the SEC, the Big Ten, Big 12, uh, but also I'm a season ticket holder of William and Mary, you know, and I go to those games. So I follow the CAA and occasionally I'll find some, you know, angles there that I think are kind of going under the rug. So you got to have a starting point, a short list. And I also really use pace and tempo as a way to, you know, like narrow down my list as well. I like slow teams versus fast teams. Um, maybe a team coming off a bad loss. We talked about Houston this week on the show and wager talk, you know, a number one team coming off a bad, embarrassing loss. I mentioned them on the show as a free play. So you got to have a starting point. Everyone's a little bit different, but I kind of try to whittle it down to a select few games and then dig in deeper to find the best bets. And, and you and I are certainly, the, in terms of how we started, the exact same way. I would go through every game for college basketball. And I'm not going to say I would give it in depth, but I would give five or ten minutes to every single game. Right. You know, you're going through, you're looking at the you know the previous matchups, you're looking at uh, the current game log, you're looking at current form, you're looking at a basic for stats, and you go, well, there's something or there's nothing. And then when I did that, I would end up with short lists at the end of it that were, you know, 30 games long. <laughs> no client wants 30 games on a Saturday. It's just not realistic. Uh, and, and when you're talking about betting yourself, I understand people that go for a high-volume approach, and there are times to do it. I was never successful doing that in college basketball. I was always, you have to narrow it down. So, and like you, it took all nights, you know, Friday I would start. In the early afternoon, and I'd finish after midnight, and I'd go again Saturday morning. So it, it was, you know, endless. Uh, when you're doing that. And it's not like when you get older, you're going to work harder. You're not, but you're going to work smarter. <laughs> and that's uh, something that you and I have both been able to do. And I'm with you very much in terms of narrowing down the card as quickly as possible and focusing on the games that stand out to you right off the bat. And again, I'll still have 10, 15, 20 games on my short list on Saturdays, but I haven't spent 10 hours getting to the short list. I spent a couple hours getting to the short list, and then I can deep dive on those games themselves. Does that make sense to you, Steve? And is that 
comparable with your uh, handicapping approach for a big college basketball card like we see each week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about it here in a little bit as well. Like, you know, so maybe play on, play against teams in general right now for this season. You know, some actionable info for the listeners. Um, but that's something else I want to mention is that, you know, I do kind of have a short list already all week long of kind of play on and play against teams for me that I'm looking for situations to use to go against or on. So that also helps you dwindle it down because when that Saturday schedule comes out, there's already some matchups that I want to see where the line is because I've already got an opinion on it if the line is, if the price is right. Um, and I think that's something else, you know, as you're watching games throughout the week, as you're checking box scores, you not only do that, you know, I found out over the years, it can save you a lot of time in the future by doing the, the, the back testing or the past work, looking at the box scores on a Tuesday or Wednesday night might set up a situation where you see some value with the team on Saturday. And then you just kind of wait until see where that point spread comes out. And I know you do a great job, Teddy, you know, digging through the local newspapers still college basketball is probably the best sport of all to do that because there's so many teams, the odds makers, have to kind of use a systematic approach to set the point spreads, right? And you can dig through and find some information on some injuries or some players that weren't in the lineup earlier in the season that are back, or maybe you have a freshman that's playing a lot better. And that's kind of another way to have a nice short list. Even if it's not a power five conference that you're following, I'll have some select teams in the other conferences that are, you know, play on or play against squads for me that I'm just waiting for the right opportunity to pull the trigger. And I'm just looking at my list right now at the current time, because I do the exact same thing. We didn't talk about this before we came in here. I have what I, what I call my bet on slash bet against list, and it's always evolving. It's always changing. I'm always adding a team and taking off a team and adding a team and taking off a team. Right now, I currently have 14 teams that I'm looking to bet on. What do I got? Two, four, six. Eight. I got about a dozen teams that I have as bet against right now. So that's at a 363 teams. I'm focused right now on 26 of them, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, and that manages my workload much better. And, again, there's always teams. These are not uh, – you don't make this list in November, and, and it doesn't change until March. It's changing all the time. team that was bad gets hot. Hey, they got some talent. Let's pay attention to them. They're undervalued in the marketplace. A team that was good gets cold or they had a couple of injuries or the markets haven't caught up with how bad they are. Hey, this is a bet against team until proven otherwise. So uh, that uh, bet on slash bet against list, and I keep it for every sport. Uh, and I've got roles. I've got all right. I want to bet. I want to bet so and so as favorites. I want to bet so and so on the road. I want to bet so and so at home. But you know, all of this stuff helps me maximize the time I'm spending doing my work in terms of its productivity. Uh, whereas when you're going through every game and you're trying to reinvent the wheel every week or every night, it's much harder to do. Now. Some cappers, Steve, love these college basketball Saturdays where it's a loaded card and tons of action all day, all night. And some hate Saturdays. You know, you win all week and then you give it back. Too many decisions. As an argument, you get weaker refs on weekends because uh, every ref in the country is working. Which camp do you fall into? Do you love basketball Saturdays, college basketball Saturdays? Do you bet a ton more, uh, more on Saturday than you do any other day of the week? Or are you a guy that really tries to limit your exposure uh, on Saturdays? We've got about a minute before the break. Yeah, I mean, once again, becoming a wiser and more efficient, smarter handicap over the last 25-plus years. I like them now because it's not as much of a workload as it was 25 years ago when I was analyzing every game. And what I like about it now is if you have that list, as you set up, say, 15 to 20 teams or maybe play on teams, you're very likely to find some matchups when there's 150 games on the board that are going to work for you, whereas on a, you know, a Tuesday or Wednesday, it's less likely. I like it for that reason. I still end up with maybe three or four best bets on a Saturday um, but it gives you more opportunities if you have a good system in place to find them. 
Yeah, and certainly like, uh, and I talk about that list: bet on versus bet against. I had Fordham as my uh, team on my bet against list, and they flipped. They're on my bet on list now. A team, <laughs> you know, so that can and does happen where you say you have a team will go one way, and the markets aren't seeing what you're seeing, or aren't reacting to what you're reacting to, and a team that may be bet against or that may have been bet against can morph and become a bet on squad. Much more with Steve Merrill coming up. We'll talk bet on, bet against teams coming up next. Cover it, continue. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports betting is just blowing up right now. What do we got? 31 states now legal, plus the District of Columbia. Um, and what that means is that there's a lot of new bettors. A lot of new slash intermediate bettors in the marketplace right now. And this show, cover it with Teddy Covers, we try to cater to a wide variety. I know my, uh, my wise guy friends like to listen to the show. Uh, I know there's a decent amount of uh, sharper guys that pay attention to what we're talking about here. But I have to think, you know, whenever you talk about doing uh, Sirius XM radio, channel 159, you're talking about an audience that isn't specifically loaded with sports bettors or experienced sports bettors. I know there's a lot of intermediate bettors out there. I know there's a lot of newbie bettors out there. And when it comes to college hoops for intermediate slash newbie bettors, it can be a minefield. Steve Merrill, what advice would you give to newer bettors slash intermediate level bettors when it comes to learning how to beat college hoops? Because for me, this of, of the five major sports that I handicap, NFL, college football, uh, NBA, college hoops, and Major League Baseball, college hoops was the toughest one for me to wrap my arms around when I first started doing it by far, just because there's so many teams. How, uh, what, what advice would you give to a newer, uh, newbie better? Yeah, it's, we've talked about this before in different shows, Teddy. You know, if I had a desert island sport that I had to handicap, you know, on a desert island, couldn't go anywhere else, um, a moneymaker, you know, one sport I could only do each season to make probably the best return on investment, it would be uh, college basketball. Now, you make an argument baseball would be up there as well just because of the pure volume, obviously, with baseball. I mean, they play twice as many games than the NBA or, you know, NHL plays in a season. So you have a lot of volume with baseball. They play as many games on one day that the NFL plays all week, you know, 15. So baseball is up there as well. But the reason I say college basketball is because it's just been a consistent winner for me for decades. And although there might not be as many games that you end up playing, um, there's more teams, 363 Division One teams. There's basically odds on all these teams now. And that's also something that was different than 25 years ago when we all started, is that we didn't have to handicap quite as many games and teams. So you really do have to have a system in place, a method to shorten that list quickly. And um, that would be my first advice, once again, to new bettors out there, is figure out you know which conferences you want to follow, what type of teams you want to bet on. If you want to watch the games, that's fine. You're going to probably want to bet on either teams in your locality or you're going to want to maybe bet on, you know, the big power top 25 conferences, you know, top 25 teams like Big East, you know, ACC, Big 12, et cetera. Um, one thing I love about college hoops is there's angles that continue to work. We talk about revenge a lot in sports. It works really well in college hoops more so than any other atmosphere. Um, also, I'd like to dig in and see the misleading box scores from the first meeting when we do get second meetings or revenge situations. Also, home court is probably stronger in college basketball than any other sport 
you and I, Teddy, have talked about the NFL home field advantage is almost minimal now compared to just 10 years ago. It's been dwindling every year for the past decade. College hoops, not only is it a strong home court, but some are much stronger than others. So just a lot of angles that you can use that continue to work when you dig in and find some information. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like your take on that as well. I mean, revenge, home courts, that's something that's very unique, I think, in college hoops. Sure. And, and you know, my experience in college basketball has been home courts are worth a lot more in November, December, into January than they're worth down the stretch. Teams playing their first road game versus teams playing their 10th road game, they're a lot more used to it by late January and February. And a lot of my bet against teams on the road earlier in the season, and I was talking about Fordham earlier as a team like that, you know, all of a sudden they start going on the highway where they struggled earlier and start winning games and or covering point spreads. And now your bet against team on the road has become a bet on uh, team on the road or certainly a neutral team uh, on the road. So I find that, you know, early in the season, a lot of, I, I respect the home courts more than I do at this time of the year. And a lot of the home courts value, the, the, the markets price them with a static number. Not a dynamic number. All right, the, you know, this home court's worth two. This home court's worth three. This home court's worth four. Oh, it's a whiteout at Penn State. It's worth five or whatever it is. You know, uh, and, and my experience has been the value of the home court can and does shift throughout the course of the season. Agree or disagree, Steve? Yeah, we, we talk about that too uh, come late December, early January, because keep in mind students are on break, you know, so you can almost make an atmosphere that's the atmosphere is less strong, you know, during those winter, mid-winter months because of winter break, and then maybe make an argument here in the next few weeks, January and early February, it's stronger because the students are back, they're at games, they don't have cl- much class homework yet. Um, but one thing I'll point out about home court advantage is one thing that's really changed since we all started in the 90s is that the three-pointer is more prevalent than ever, both NBA and college basketball. It's the great equalizer. It allows more upsets in the NCAA tournament. And it also allows more randomness from a night-to-night perspective. So that's another reason I like to dig into the box scores and find you know, discrepancies in those first meetings when you have a revenge spot. Maybe a team was really hot or cold from three or from the free-throw line. And in general, home teams are going to shoot better from three-point range as well. Um, so that's something else to factor in when you're looking at home court advantages. Uh, sometimes it's just random variance in the short term, and it can lead to value, obviously, in the future. That's the one thing as handicappers in all sports we want to find, in my opinion, is misleading box scores. Uh, that's the number one thing I look for in the NFL and college football, college and pro basketball. And if you can find those, it often sets up value the next time. Because like you said, odds makers are pretty much using a static number for home court, and they're pretty much using point differential and schedule strength to set power ratings and point spreads. It's really not that complicated when you dig into it. So, Steve, you are a graduate of the uh, College of William & Mary uh, in uh, Virginia in the Colonial Athletic Conference. You talked about how you're a season ticket holder uh, for uh, uh, William & Mary, and that then becomes one of the smaller conferences that you're going to handicap, paying attention to. How should beginning-slash-intermediate bettors look at smaller conference teams? They'd be watching these games, streaming these games, they'd be betting them on stats, should they be leaving them alone entirely? What would you recommend about the smaller, uh, about handicapping the smaller conferences, not the power fives, but the smaller conferences for beginning slash newbie betters? Yeah, first of all, I think it's a little trickier. Um, I go to CA games. I see all the Colonial teams play I have for several decades now, and I still don't have a ton of plays in the CAA because the analogy I'll use is when I heard years ago, um, from a horse handicapper, you know, they would fe- they would focus on the Triple Crown, the Breeders' Cup, the big races. 
and, as opposed to like the small little tracks. And you would think it's kind of the backwards, right? You would think the sharp guys have the real inside info on the small little tracks and whatnot. But you get more volume, you get more public, you know, consensus in the market. You get more value um, in those big horse races. And I've used that analogy a lot in college hoops because it is difficult to sometimes go beat the lower tracks because the quality of horses isn't as good. And I think it's the same thing with these mid-major conferences in college basketball normally none of them are great offensively. In fact, if you look at like the really bad conferences, they're always the 16 seed, like the SWACs and the MEACs over the year in the conference in the NCAA tournament. One thing those schools always have in common is they're really bad shooting schools normally. They can't shoot the ball. And it makes sense because the good players go to the big schools. Um, so I think it's a little more difficult to handicap it, just like watching a, you know, a seven- or eight-year-old soccer game. They all kind of herd together. Um, so I've found myself staying away more from the smaller teams in recent years I do still think statistically you can find some misleading box scores and information. But the one thing I'll point out about those conferences and where I haven't had sometimes like watching William and Mary and other schools is when a guy's been out, a player has been out and maybe he comes back into the lineup and the odds makers aren't quite over adjusting enough for how much better or how much worse a team is without a guy. But a lot of times too, these schools will lose a starter and there's no drop off with the backup for the same reason. Um, so if you follow the programs closely, you can find some situations uh, but in general, I found myself, you know, tending more towards the power five schools in recent years. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to bet what I know. You know, that would be the advice I would do. I would not start trying to handicap some random conference that you don't know anything about. What I do here in Las Vegas, you get the Mountain West in town. So the Mountain West becomes a conference. Obviously, UNLV's in the Mountain West. You get a, a lot of good uh, info from many of the West Coast programs. I do WCC. Uh, handicapping because you're getting good info out here and it's not that difficult to find. You know, I'm not handicapping, handicapping the Sun Belt uh, every night. I'm not trying to handicap the Sun Belt uh, every night. But the smaller conferences that you know that you're familiar with the teams and the programs and the coaches or you make yourself familiar with the teams, the programs, the coaches, those are the smaller schools that I tend to like to bet. Let me ask you this. I mean, how confident are you betting on or against teams that you might not have seen all that much based largely on statistical profiles? Are you a stat guy when it comes to some of this stuff, or is it much less about a statistical profile, much more about current form, misleading box score, under-the-radar injury, that kind of a thing? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely comfortable betting on teams I haven't watched play in person or on TV much, you know, but there again, I'll dig into the local papers and make sure I'm not missing something with, a, you know, an injury or somebody that's been out recently, but... um. Once again, I find it very difficult in the smaller conferences to get, use a game ever between two bad teams. I can think of only a handful of times in recent years I've ever had a play on two bad teams in any conference. I like usually at least one quality team because, once again, they're more of a known quantity. And one angle I love in all sports, Teddy, is playing good teams in a focused spot. And that's like talking about Houston earlier this week, you know, when they were the number one team, lost as a 19-point favorite last Sunday. That immediately makes my short list, and I'm looking for a reason to play on them. Um, and it's the same thing with these smaller conferences. And when I am using those, I usually like to have one of the top two or three teams in that conference involved. And see, I find uh, I, I, in general, I want my money on good teams, not bad teams. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to find situations to make money betting bad teams in college basketball. I made a first half play earlier this week after Wisconsin Green Bay fired their coach. I didn't trust him for the full game. <laughs> but they were, what, like a 2-19 and 19 team or something at that too. I figured they were 2-17 and 17 or 2-19 and 19 at the time. Uh, I took them the first half plus 9.5. And, and they were able to hang with the number. I think they lost the first half by 6. 
<laughs> and then they got blown out in the second half. It wasn't pretty. They did not get the new coach bounce, but they did cover for a half. And that'll probably be the only time I have my money on the Wisconsin Green Bay Phoenix this year in general. Like I said, we'd rather bet on good teams than bad ones. When you're betting on bad ones, you need a darn good reason, like the coach getting fired. More with Steve Merrill coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. How do you get that? It's simple. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, and stay on the grid. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. Savransky just doesn't roll off the tongue, man. Teddy underscore covers on Twitter. And, of course, you can follow Steve Merrill on Twitter at Steve Merrill, two R's, one L, Steve Merrill on Twitter. So, Steve, right now, here we are. It's late January. There's, what, five or six more weeks of the college basketball regular season. We'll call it the stretch run of the regular season. Any teams right now stand out to you as offering some real bet-on potential? Teams that maybe underachieved early, that are finding their stride right now. Teams that the markets have crashed on. Teams that the markets haven't priced correctly. Who can we make money with? Right now, down the stretch of conference play, undervalued in the marketplace. Yeah, I'll give you a, a play on team that's definitely undervalued here in a second. But one team, you know, we talk about making a short list, how, you know, looking for teams to play on against. One team I'm only looking to play on is Alabama. And I'm not sure we're going to get a lot of value going forward. But when I get the right spots, kind of like with Houston earlier this week off a bad loss, uh, Alabama is as good as anyone right now. In fact, I played against Alabama with Houston back in December. And Houston was up by 15 points, a slowdown team against a fast Alabama team. And Bama still came back to win outright. Uh, they've been in spots like that this year, and they've still won. They play fast, but they're really good defensively. So Alabama's a, a play-on or pass team for me. But an under-the-radar team in that same conference, the SEC, is Kentucky. You know, I normally wouldn't say Kentucky is an under-the-radar team. But the fact that they've struggled early this season – I don't think the markets are aware that they're playing a lot better right now. They're playing their best basketball of the year. They've obviously got talent there. They do every single season. Number one in offensive rebounding rate. Um, I think they're, they're creeping up in my power ratings, and I think Kentucky has not fully been adjusted for in the market. They're a play-on team for me here over the next month or so. Yeah, and, of course, Kentucky's not ranked. They're only 5-3 and three in the SEC, 14-6 and six overall. So the markets aren't real hot on them, but all of a sudden – since that win over Tennessee, as big dogs, they haven't uh, lost since. Now, two of the three wins, uh, you know, Georgia and Vanderbilt, we're not talking about the elite teams of the SEC. Nonetheless, Kentucky thoroughly devalued early. Steve Merrill says they offer bet on potential right now. What about, and for me, um, I'm going to put, look, Rutgers, all they do is keep cashing tickets for me, man. You know, Rutgers is still on that list. Uh, for me, very much uh, a bet on team. But honestly, at this stage of the season, as we get into late January and February, the number one thing I'm looking to do, find dead teams, bet against teams. There's a couple of them that have made me pretty good. LSU <laughs> is very much 
a dead team. At least they're dead to me uh, at this stage uh, of the season. Who stands out to you? And I've been making money betting against LSU. You know, the, the, the markets. The LSU's a team that had a, a good non-conference. They were double the favorites in every game. I think they started at 12 and 1. They've been awful. And when they've tried to step up in class, it's been particularly ugly. That's a team that lets go of the rope. That's kind of the expression I'm looking for. The thing I'm looking for now, teams that when they get beat, they're just letting go of the rope, dude. The competition isn't there. Uh, who stands out to you as an overvalued commodity or as a bottom feeder that we can bet against in the coming weeks? Yeah, I'm going to give you a team I think you can bet against in the Big Ten here over the next month or so uh, in just a moment. One point I want to bring up real fast, um, which we haven't talked about, is a lot of times, you know, we have play-on teams. There's also some teams you just want to stay away from in general. And my kind of tough-to-figure-out team this year is another Blue Blood team in Duke. Um, you know, obviously, Krzyzewski steps down after several decades. There's still some talent there, but they're playing much slower than ever before. That's the one thing that stood out to me. And I'm starting to more I've analyzed it, I really think, you know, Without Coach K there anymore, the recruits in recent seasons kind of knew he wasn't going to be there. They didn't want the uncertainty of the future. I'm starting to think Duke doesn't have that talent like Kentucky. So Duke's kind of the opposite of Kentucky. Two teams that aren't ranked. I think there's upside with Kentucky. I'd be very careful with Duke. I personally don't have a good feel for them this season. But a team that I would also say you could play against um, over the next month is a former ACC team, now a Big Ten team in Maryland, opened the season at 7-1 against the spread against a really weak schedule, and that always catches your eye. So like Kentucky starting slow, speeding up now, you want some teams that start strong that maybe aren't as good as everyone thinks, and I think Maryland fits the bill. They went 3-6 and six after that, their next nine games. They've gone 3-0 and now their last three games heading into the weekend, but I think it's a bit phony as two are at home. The other, they were decent dogs at Purdue. Um, you know, I think Maryland is a team that's still very mediocre. If you look at their conference play rankings, they're just 11th in net points per possession. Um, I think there's some downside to Maryland, so you can make some money probably fading the Terps over the next month. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the Terps with a win over Michigan, a blowout win over Wisconsin, and a competitive loss covering the spread at Purdue in their last three ball games. This is a team where, I'm not going to tell you they have a huge betting bandwagon, but there's not market antagonism towards Maryland right now. Steve Merrill says maybe there should be some market antagonism towards the Terps. So uh, I want to ask you about uh, late January slash February when it comes to college basketball. Are there any particular nuances to this time of the year? Revenge angles, quit teams? I mean, one thing I'm always, I'm really looking for quit teams at this stage. You know, teams that cannot take, that, that aren't responding well to adversity. When they take a punch, they just go down. LSU, <laughs> as I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, so that's something I'm really looking for this time of year. I want I want to find quick teams and I want to fade them. And of course, at this time of year, you you oftentimes see a new number one every week. The top teams at the top get upset. What do you look for at this time of the year in college basketball? Any nuances that stand out? It's an interesting point about quick teams because if you think about it, you know basically you know there's a couple conference games in December. Let's just say everybody starts in January, right? Those first few weeks of January, it's kind of a new season for even struggling teams because it's conference time. You know you can still have a nice conference season, and then once they start to struggle after you know five, six, seven games in, which is where we are pretty much now at the end of January, uh, it's pretty much over for them. They're never going to get in that large any postseason tournaments. Their only hope is to get lucky and win the conference tournament, which is a month from now. So they're almost kind of going through like dead time in, in February. So I think it's a really good point, Teddy, and something that people don't talk about a lot. 
Um, it is also important to break the season up into several quadrants. We do it in college football. We even do it in the NFL a little bit. But I think college basketball is the epitome of this because, once again, once they get into conference play, you get a lot of common opponents. You can almost start looking at conference-only stats. It's a great way to handicap. In fact, when you get to the conference tournaments in March, if you look at just conference-only stats, you know, if everyone plays home and home like they used to, they don't all do it now, the point spread is almost within a couple points of whatever the scoring margins were for the teams. I mean, that's how accurate it is. Um, but as I said earlier, I really like revenge second meetings because you can look at some misleading box scores the first time, and there's some really good uh, revenge angles that work in college basketball better than any other sport this time of year. And there's the alternative to the revenge, all right? The team A stinks, team B is good. Team B wins on the road, blows them out at team A. Now team A, who stinks, is going back on the road and facing team B again, and then now they're catching 20 points. Team A, you know, the good team knows they can beat them. Uh, they know they can beat them by margin. They've already done it at their house this year. These are situations where I'll take some ugly underdogs in games where I'm not convinced the favorite is going to be fully interested and are motivated. They have bigger fish to fry than a team they've already blown out once. Is that anything you look for? Yeah, and in fact, with a lot of the new listeners out there and sports bettors, you know, I probably should back it up a little bit when I say revenge. You're exactly right, Teddy. I mean, revenge really is just a second head-to-head meeting. I just use the term revenge because somebody lost the first one. But you're right, bad teams always have revenge in every single game. And in general, what I'm looking for, if the revenge motive is really a handicapping factor, is I want a good team. I want the better team normally, or at least a team that's capable of being the better team because maybe they lost on the road, now they're a small home favorite in that spot. But you're right, you can use it the other way as well. You know, you can also play against a team that won the first meeting when they're disinterested as a big favorite, and that's one of the few times you can play some ugly dogs. But, yeah, revenge works best with quality teams, and uh, that's pretty much the only way I use it in college hoops, and it's pretty much the only way I'd recommend uh, the listeners use it as well. So last question I'm going to ask you, and then we'll get a new uh, uh, a free uh, opinion uh, on uh, uh, the college basketball card for today. But when it comes to college coaches... Are you a guy, hey, I'm, I'm never betting on this coach. I'm always betting on this coach as a dog. Uh, are you someone that looks, that pays a lot of attention to coaches and not willing to bet on the bad coaches and stuff like that? And if you do pay attention to the coaches, who stands out as a genius and who stands out as an idiot? Yeah, I think in college sports, coaching is more important than any. Um, football, I use it, but in college basketball, I use it more than any sport, and I do think it makes a difference because um, – the games, you know, the, the way you coach the games as far as, you know, timeouts and stuff down the stretch. And it, it, for me, it's more the coaching styles. Like, And one of the best coaches out there, I always love, first of all, the slowdown coaches, you know, because I think the half-court slowdown style allows you to really stay in the games, especially with the three-pointer now. And Randy Bennett from St. Mary's runs a slowdown half-court system. Their defense is always really good. And the team covers spreads at home and away as favorites and dogs. Just a complete, you know, point spread record over the years as well. That's something I look for. Um, I like, you know, like Tony Bennett at UVA. They, they lose to the 16 seed. I liked them even more the next year because of that, and then they win the national title. I love these half-court slowdown teams, and that's one of the reasons I'm big on Houston this year because they play that way as well. Um, but t- Randy Bennett at St. Mary's has been like that for several seasons, always a coach. I'm, I'm very rarely looking to play against him. So if the name is Bennett, you like him, whether it's in Virginia or on the other side True. of the country. didn't think about that. In Saint, <laughs> uh, for St. Mary's. Steve Merrill, we have a loaded college basketball card today on Saturday. What stands out to you as a bettable opinion? 
Yeah, you know, it's ob- it's obviously a, a huge card here, and you know, we talk a lot about the um, under the radar games and whatnot. And um, I'll look at one here in the uh, in the Colonial, and it's it catches my eyes because Charleston's only about a six and a half point favorite over Hofstra, and Charleston is a top twenty team right now, which you don't see too often in Colonial play, and they play really fast. And um, Hofstra's probably they're going to be their toughest test this season. Um, so I think this is a spotlight game. We're going to see if Charleston is for real. But to see a top-20 team that only has a loss in the season lane, just about six and a half, I'll take a shot with them here in a Colonial game, a CAA conference game that I follow closely. But for Charleston, take care of business today in College Hoops action. Steve, where can people find you? Talk about your Twitter handle. Uh, I'll give you a minute to promote yourself. Knock yourself out. Yeah, Twitter's a great starting point. It's uh, at Steve Merrill, two R's, one L. That's M-E-R-R-I-L, at Steve Merrill on Twitter. And, of course, you can find both myself and Teddy Covers on wagertalk.com. That's also a great site for some great free plays. I put up a free play basically every day on my page at wagertalk.com. If you're a new sports better, if you want some analysis and a free selection before you take the plunge into the best bets, check out Steve Merrill, wagertalk.com, uh, shortcut code WT dot buzz slash sm and also wager talk tv on youtube i do an nfl fade the public video last week fading the divisional public sides and totals went five and two in the divisional round i'll let you know the most public side and total on both championship games for this sunday that's available on wager talk tv on youtube and you can download the wager talk tv app for your favorite mobile device to watch at any time day and night oh he's smooth Look at those promotions. He's the dulcet tones of uh, uh, Steve Merrill. Always a joy uh, to get to spend some time with you here on Cover It with Teddy Cover. Steve, thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy. You coach basketball. You coach you know, uh, for your kids. Uh, and, of course, all of us. You know, that's the thing people don't realize. Those of us with wives and kids and other responsibilities, it's kind of a different world uh, compared to those of you single guys out there. Steve's like me. He's married. He's got kids. And he runs around all day long. Pleasure, Mr. Merrill. We'll do it again in the not-too-distant future. When we come back, I've got a bettable opinion in the NBA. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to go back and listen to last week's show or last month's show or last year's Super Bowl show, every show that I've ever done is archived and downloadable, podcast style. It's real simple. Wherever you download your podcasts, all major podcast outlets, all minor podcast outlets, just search Cover It or Cover It with Teddy Covers. Download and consume at your convenience. I want to talk a little NBA for today because I found a great quote. It says, bet on a quote as you'll ever find. It's from DeMar Rosen. Now, the Chicago Bulls played in Paris last week. And they Monday, they came back from Paris, or they came back from Paris over the weekend, Monday before they played Atlanta. Here's what DeMar Rosen said. Quote, it's gut-cutting time now every single game. We showed the first half of the season we can p- compete with the top teams in the league. Now it's about putting it together every night because these games, we can't get back. Every game is just as important as the next. As long as we have that mindset about every single game, every single practice from here on out, we have a good chance to put ourselves in a good position. And then after the game, they blew out Atlanta. No, they didn't blow them up. They won by double digits. Quote, 
The second half of the season, you can't give games back. Everything matters from here in and out. They've got to be the desperate ones. You have to go out there and compete. So they're on the uh, pacing Indiana the next night on the second of back-to-backs. And what did they do? They took a 21-point first-half lead and let it dribble away. Ended up losing that game straight up and against the spreads. So the next contest, they're playing Charlotte at Charlotte. Thinking back to that DeRozan quote. This is a game they're going to blow them out. Charlotte stinks. They got no home court edge. Was the Bulls that got blown out in that contest. This team is talking the talk. They're not walking the walk. I look at Orlando plus the points against the Bulls tonight. Orlando, live dogs in this one, even on the second of back-to-backs. And that's going to wrap it for this week's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Shouldn't say this week. We'll do it again tomorrow. Same time, same channel. Between now and then, enjoy the games. And best of luck with all your wagers.